we need to make sure that everybody's accountable as to where the dollars are going for affordable housing. People who are on their own property should have the right to be safe. We have purposely gone out and told vessels to change their course and to pick Florida as their destination. From the fourth floor of the Capitol Rotunda, you're listening to WFSU Public Media's Capitol Report, the podcast. I'm Tom Flanagan. Funding for Capital Report is provided by the following. The Florida AFL-CIO, representing over 1 million union members, retirees, and their families, committed to building a better future for all Floridians by promoting healthy communities, economic justice, and dignity in the workplace. Online at flaflcio.org. And from a grant from the law firm of Searcy, Denny, Scarola, Barnhart, and Shipley, supporting public radio and taking time to care on the web at searcylaw.com. This is Capital Report, the podcast. I'm Tom Flanagan. Among today's capital action, changes are coming to last year's historic affordable housing bill. Tristan Wood reports that lawmakers want to ensure that new developments protect the character of neighborhoods and develop urban centers for the future. Last year's $700 million affordable housing initiative was the brainchild of Senate President Kathleen Pasadomo. It is meant to solve Florida's affordable housing crisis in the coming years, but there are some concerns about how the rapid building of housing could negatively impact communities. Miami Republican Senator Alexis Calatayud is looking to remedy those concerns. Her bill brings changes that various stakeholders have requested, like capping the height of buildings that are built next to single-family homes, and requiring mixed-use development in heavy traffic areas. As we discussed at length last session, not only is workforce housing critical to the economic security of our state, but it's a top quality of life issue impacting Floridians who want to build their lives and raise their families in the communities that they serve. She also wants to give $100 million in federal American Rescue Plan funds to the state's Hometown Heroes program, which supplies first home loans to first responders and other public employees. But there are still some concerns about whether the legislation will provide adequate workforce housing in all communities. Gainesville Commissioner Brian Eastman says that students could still qualify to live in affordable units made under the bill. That could dry up affordable housing in areas with large student populations like Gainesville, Tallahassee, and Orlando. That could leave less housing for those that work in those communities. Gainesville has a disproportionate amount of students, people that on paper have no income, but frequently are some of our area's, uh, area's re- wealthiest residents. Their money comes from student loans or their parents' money, which doesn't count as income under really any provisions that you would look at as traditional income. And that makes them very complicated to categorize for low-income programs. Orange County Democratic Senator Victor Torres also wants to see official tracking of the affordable housing units being built by private contractors using the funds. Local municipalities who facilitate affordable housing developments in their communities aren't currently required to make progress reports to the legislature. We want to see the product. We want to know that it's getting out there into our communities because we sit up here, but, you know, uh, we need to make sure that everybody's accountable as to where the dollars are going for affordable housing. Calatayud says she's open to considering further changes before the bill goes to the Senate floor. I'm Tristan Wood. A bill that would lower the minimum age from 21 to 18 to purchase rifles and shotguns in Florida was approved this week by a state house panel. But WMNF's Chris Young reports the bill has no Senate counterpart. 
The bill rolls back a law created after the Parkland shooting that raised the minimum age. Republican Representative Bobby Payne is a sponsor of the current bill, despite voting for the law in 2018. All those interventions, all that time, those six or seven years, have made me realize that we've done the right thing in the state and we should join the rest of the majority of the rest of the states to bring the ability to purchase a long gun back to 18 years old. Tony Mintalto is the father of Gina, a student killed in the Parkland shooting. He spoke during public comment. We're just two weeks away from the sixth commemoration. Our current law is working. I implore each of you to remember that law is written in the blood of the Parkland victims, including my beautiful daughter, Gina. However, while speaking against the bill, St. Petersburg Democratic Representative Michelle Rayner brought up that the bill has no Senate companion. From my understanding, I don't know if the bill is moving over in the Senate. So why are we, why is it here? Payne addressed this during closing comments. I don't make my decisions on what bills I want to run based on what the Senate might be doing. I make those decisions based on what I feel is um, part of my fundamental belief. The bill advanced in the House Criminal Justice Committee. It will next be heard in the Judiciary Committee. In Tampa, I'm Chris Young. Legislation that would make it illegal to shoot a firearm over or through someone else's property has cleared its first hurdle. Supporters say the measure aims to protect property rights as well as keep neighbors safe. But as Adrian Andrews reports, gun rights advocates argue the bill is taking a shot at their Second Amendment rights. A Senate Criminal Justice Committee gave the nod Tuesday to legislation Democrats are touting as a property rights bill. The sponsor, Boynton Beach Democratic Senator Lori Berman, says she wants to keep property owners safe and out of harm's way. Just as people have the right to file, fire guns on their property, people who are on their own property should have the right to be safe. Luis Valdez, the Florida State Director for Gun Owners of America, spoke against the measure. He sees it as too restrictive. Gun owners of America and our two million members are completely against this bill in its entirety. Private property rights are to be protected, and one of those rights is for the ability for people to legally and justifiably shoot in their own backyards on their private property. If passed, violators would be hit with a third-degree felony and subject to fines if a round they fire exits their property and enters the property of another person who has not given consent. The bill includes exceptions for self-defense. I'm Adrian Andrews. Cargo and cruise traffic hit record highs last year at Florida seaports, which took advantage of global supply chain issues and a desire by people to travel as COVID-19 pandemic restrictions waned. That's according to an industry report released today. The annual Seaport Mission Plan by the Florida Ports Council says the state's 10 port facilities handled 114 and a quarter million tons of cargo in 2023. That was up one and a half percent from a 2022 record. Meanwhile, seven Florida ports counted just shy of 19 and a half million cruise passengers last year. That topped the previous record by more than a million folks. That record was set in 2019, the last full year before the pandemic temporarily shut down the cruise industry. Mike Rubin is president of the Florida Ports Council. Great growth uh, in both cargo and cruise. Uh, I think it shows that our investments over the past years, we have purposely gone out and told vessels to change their course and to pick Florida as their destination. Port Miami, Port Canaveral, and Port Everglades are the top three cruise home ports in the world. 
Rubin pointed to efforts to promote Florida ports as an alternative when demand surged for goods during the pandemic and supply chain problems included clogged shipping at California ports. The report says Florida was prepared to handle an influx of ship traffic by having ports linked closely to roads, rail, and air facilities. Our regular Capitol Report correspondents are Adrian Andrews, Gina Jordan, Lynn Hatter, Regan McCarthy, Margie Menzel, and Tristan Wood. Thanks also to Chris Young. Shows are available Monday through Thursday by 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, wherever you get your podcasts. On many of these Florida public radio stations, you can tune in each Friday to catch the latest on all things happening at the Capitol. That show's also available in podcast form. Technical assistance comes from Taylor Cox. I'm Tom Flanagan, and this is Capital Report, the podcast from WFSU Public Media. Funding for Capital Report is provided by the following. A grant from the law firm of Searcy, Denny, Scarola, Barnhart, and Shipley. Supporting public radio and taking time to care. On the web at searcylaw.com. And from the Florida AFL-CIO representing over 1 million union members, retirees, and their families, committed to building a better future for all Floridians by promoting healthy communities, economic justice, and dignity in the workplace. Online at flaflcio.org. Capital Report is a production of WFSU Public Media in Tallahassee.